You're listening to the Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. Enjoy. Our guest this hour is author Sonia Lineball, whose personal account of her experiences with the Blessed Mother Mira is called At the Feet of Mother Mira, The Lessons of Silence. Mother Mira, if you've never heard of her, does not conform to the conventional model of a guru surrounded by disciples. She is, as her followers will tell you and those who know her, the ultimate mother, always ready for anyone needing her help or blessing, entirely loving, caring, and non-judgmental. She gives no formal teaching or complex spiritual disciplines, and she makes no demands. She is considered to be a living embodiment of the Divine Mother and can transform any person simply by a look. Mother Mira is, according to the millions of people who have been in her presence, an embodiment of the Divine Feminine, the Divine Mother on Earth. Mother, as she is called, was born in 1960 in southern India. Today she lives in a tiny hamlet in the German countryside. There and during her travels around the globe, she gives what is called her unique blessing of darshan, the free transmission of light, love, and grace, which is her gift to the world. Join Sonia and me for a discussion of Mother Mira and her work in the world and Sonia's own experience with her. Thank you so much for joining us, Sonia. Hello, Zoe. It's wonderful to be here. You know, I learned of Mother Mira first from my acupuncturist, Marty Campbell, many years Ah. ago. Yes, I know Marty. And I saw Mother Mira's picture, you know, above her altar and in her office, and I was always very moved by the welling gentleness of this face looking back. How did you meet the mother and why? Well, it's one of those stories that I had been meditating for many years, and I was feeling very much the lack of the feminine aspect, and I was inwardly rather demanding to know something about the spiritual life from the feminine point of view. And uh, on a whim, I had ordered a back copy. I had ordered a yoga journal. A back copy came, and and it was an interview uh, with Andrew Harvey about Mother Mira. And I immediately said, who is this woman? I have got to know her. And I ordered books from her home and... um, I had no idea how I was going to get to see her, but I wrote a letter and said, I have to come, please help. And I got a letter back that said, Mother got your letter and she'll help. And then uh, that was in the fall of 91, and in the spring my husband and I went to Germany and had Darshan for the first time. And it was everything I had imagined it would be and more. Well, when she's asked of her purpose, she says, quote, I bring down the light and establish peace. Also, I help people to surrender to the divine, to remember the divine, and to be faithful and sincere to their religion or to their belief. I help people, she says, to be happy in their families. And that's and that's it. That's it. That first time when I went to... Uh, to her, and it was it was so interesting because the darshan was just in this in a house, and it was there was nothing fancy about it. People were sitting in plastic lawn chairs, uh, gathered very closely around her, and there was a little space on the carpet in front of her. And I I sat on the carpet, and <laughs> uh, my husband got a chair, and and when I and each person takes a 
a turn going in front of her where she holds your head in her hands uh, in her fingertips. And uh, then when she lets go of her, with her fingertips, she looks in her eyes and she looks in your eyes. It's a very, very intimate moment. And I must say I, have not, I had not thought I was ever lacking love in my life, but I felt more love than I have ever felt uh, in my life in that moment with her. And it seemed to last for a very long time, but I'm sure it was only seconds. And uh, that was the start of it. Well, and I've read that even those who watch her water her plants, that she'll take so much care and time as though it's a, a human Yes. So that each is specifically tended to. And darshan is a very particular word with a very particular meaning. So before we go further, sh- share with us the history of darshan and what that is. I mean, it's a very long lineage within the Hindu tradition. It, it is. And I don't know so much about the lineage, but I know that, that it, it means looking or seeing and uh, different uh, uh, saints generally mothers, mother types in particular seem to use this word. Uh, uh, for them, it means having, having the blessing of being in the presence of a spiritual being. And uh, so some, some give darshan like, by hugging, as uh, uh, Amici does, and some people would be familiar with her. And Mother Mira does it by, by looking. So when her eyes are closed and she's and she is has her fingers on her your head. She says she is looking uh, at everything within you to see to see the your spiritual state and where she can give help with your for your spiritual state. And when then when she looks into your eyes, she's looking at your entire life to see where she can give help and healing to your life. And uh, sometimes people feel that very concretely, and they feel what she is doing, and she also says that she is, in the spiritual practice particularly, she is untying knots that, are, that hinder our experience. Uh, and sometimes you feel after darshan that some issue in your life has come to the fore, but now maybe you have the strength to face it, which you didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's, an, there's another element about Mother Mira's darshan that isn't always true, which is that it's done in total silence and you know many situations in ashrams or with spiritual leaders there's a lot of music and a lot of group activity and there's a lot of commotion and you know a lot of ceremony and the simplicity of what she does is just so stunning and the fact that it's in silence I mean from my vantage point is like Glorious, and then on top of it, she never charges anybody anything, which is the true model of these of great spiritual avatars when they come to earth they 've chosen to incarnate for a reason of service, and they don 't charge for the blessing of their grace that 's right it, it it's stunning those are the two of the things that attracted me to mother uh, from the beginning, and uh, it's still it's still now twenty uh, 20-some years later, still is what attracts me uh, to her. Um, so, yes, everything is in silence from the moment you step into the Darshan Hall. Uh, and now it's a, uh, the, the house that we went to in the beginning was uh, got too small, and now she gives Darshan in Germany when she's in Germany at a, a larger place. Uh, but still very simple, lines of chairs. Uh, she now has a small dais on which she sits 
exits so people can see her better. And one by one, people go in front of her, and she holds her head, uh, and she looks in their eyes. And then, and that, that's it. She comes into the room with no ceremony, walking uh, to her seat, sitting down, and she looks so simple and uh, fresh. She, she always looks fresh. She was in her early 30s when I first met her, and she will be 53 years old this year, and she still looks uh, young and fresh and sometimes old and wise and, and uh, every, time, every time different. Uh, it, it's quite amazing. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know, I'm losing my train of thought, so you'll have to ask me well, something the, else. <laughs> well, the, the beautiful thing, I just I love everything she teaches. And while it's not a lot and this is she doesn't give lectures and it's not like that, the the basic things that she counsels individuals who, you know, always have thought because there's been monastic time periods that in order to have spiritual insight or in order to find peace, one has to withdraw from society, leave family behind, go live somewhere as, you know, either in seclusion or and, and she says, quote, abandoning worldly duties to become a recluse or to take up life in an ashram is unnecessary and even counterproductive. An inner attitude of surrender, together with the consecration of the making holy of our ordinary life, is what is required. Our whole existence in the world can become an expression of the divine harmony as an instrument of the divine rather than driven by the ego, unquote. And of course, this is karma yoga, which consists of doing, quote, every task appointed to you, great or small, as perfectly as you can, and in a spirit of service to the divine. That's right. And Mother, Mother says it doesn't matter how you live. You can live your ordinary life. And it's very important to her. She is always stressing uh, uh being with your family and being of service to your family and not leaving your family and uh, and offering everything. She says, offer me everything, good and bad. So some people fear to offer the good stuff, but for fear it will be taken away. <laughs> but but it's, uh, it's very clear that you should offer her, her, her your happiness and your joy as well as your sorrow and your problems and... and uh, uh, Every aspect of your life can become an offering, and uh, that's that's such a gift. It, it's a fabulous gift to be able to uh, know that you can live in the world and uh, and be happy in the world and and offer everything you are and everything you have and everything you you aspire to. And and it also makes it possible for every human to be on a spiritual path, which is. One of the reasons I speak about it in my own work and and when young people ask, I say a very similar thing because that is the work. It's the hard work that, you know, as they used to say, when you're chopping carrots, chop carrots. When you're carrying wood, carry wood. And most of the saints, when you read their lives, will tell you they had divine revelation, cleaning the floor, feeding the birds handing out bread to the poor. It wasn't in deep meditation, not to say that meditation isn't important because it cultivates the field for the being of harmonizing body, mind, and soul. But it's in, it's in the doing with attention that makes a revelation. You know, it's, it becomes revelatory, as she so clearly, you know, shares. Yes, that's right. And, and once, uh, uh, many years ago, I asked, if I could uh, 
write a few things about Mother in Bay Weekly newspaper, which is uh, a, along the Bay in, in Anne Arundel County. And I said it's not a spiritual newspaper. Uh, and Audie talked to me, uh, a woman who has devoted her life to Mother, said to me, you cannot say that. You can't say it's not spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everyone is on a spiritual path. Exactly. That's exactly right. And yet we have lived in sort of this dualism um, throughout so many centuries, you know, and, and it's been promoted as the model of life and the universe. And it's not true. You know, it's this and this. It's not this or that. It's not light and dark, light or dark. It's light and dark. It's not inhale or exhale. It's inhale and exhale. It's not life or death. It's life and death. And so it's a beautiful blessing for humanity when a teacher like this comes before us and reminds us that we are in the divine and we are of the divine and we are divine. Exactly right. Yes. Yes. And and, uh, one of the things that Mother has said in the past is that nothing nothing must be avoided. Uh, So it doesn't matter uh, as you go through life, you don't have to think, oh, I can't do that because that will take me away from my spiritual path. Nothing has to be avoided. Uh, it, as long as it's done in the right intention, the right uh, uh, offering, with the right offering, then everything everything is possible. Everything. We're going to we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back. Sonia, our guest is Sonia Limeball and her book at the feet of Mother Mira, The Lessons of Silence. You can also go to her website at the feet of com and Mother Mira's website, Mother Mira, M-E-E-R-A dot com. This is James DeMeo of the Orgone Biophysical Research Laboratory. You can find my books at Amazon and other kinds of websites. The last name is D-E-M-E-O. And you're listening to 21st Century Radio with Dr. Zohara Hieronymus. And thank you. Our guest this hour is author Sonia Limeball, her book, At the Feet of Mother Mira, The Lessons of Silence. Mother Mira can be found at www.mothermira.com and Sonia's book, At the Feet of Mother Mira.com. So when you went in 1992, what were you looking for? Oh, what was I looking for? I was looking for a way to grow more in the direction of consciousness, more more conscious, I should say, and to have a, a sense of the feminine within the spiritual world. Uh, what, what does that mean? I mean, you said yeah. that in the beginning, but somebody in the listening audience might say, well, what? <laughs> you know? Yes, 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 yes. Well, so much of... Um, uh, I, my husband and I have been practicing transcendental meditation for uh, so many years, maybe 17 years or something before that, and a lot of that came from a scientific point of view and from a, uh, a point of view of lecturing about science things and about talking and about um, why this was this way and that was that way, and what I felt I was missing was a heart value. I felt I was missing something uh, more uh, compassionate and something more to do with uh, people living their lives and uh, finding room in their lives for each other. Uh, and, I, and I associated that with all, all of that with a 
feminine principle. Uh, not to say that the other that there was anything wrong with the other. I have great respect for that and and great love for uh, Maharshi Maheshyogi, but I I specifically was looking for something that had uh, a more of a heart value to mm-hmm. it. Uh, well, and and the feminine is different. You know, the the divine feminine. When you look back through history, and we're going back millennium, if not further beyond our records, um, the the divine feminine was very much a part of all worship. And slowly but surely, we all know the, some of the historic stories of how all of that got shut down with very abusive patriarchy. And James DeMeo, who we heard a little drop from just then from the bio physical research lab, Argonne Biophysical Research Lab, has talked about that the more brutal, you know, humanity is, the more brutal the environment, and that the desert belt has produced some of the most radical brutality on the earth, and well, and we see it, and we understand that that's true, but there's another kind of desertification, which is the desertification of our hearts, and the feminine is you know, the left hemisphere principle, the right hemisphere, rather, we have to sort of be open to our intuition and to our feeling and to inclusion. So so the mother is says that, you know, animals and plants are much more open to the light than humans, and yet we're designed to seek the light. Yes, yes, and I ask about that. I ask, uh, again, through Adi Lakshmi, although since sometimes I get to ask mother questions directly, but uh, at that time I was asking uh, Adi Lakshmi, we are, as humans, we are able to want the light and to understand a bit more of the light and to, and to go out looking for the light. Why, why are we the ones? <laughs> why, what, it, what is it about us that, that doesn't let us recognize the light when we see it and and uh, why are we you know when the animals can see the light why can't we or why can't we uh, understand it more or, or take it when we see it and uh, she she said I have to ask mother and she did and she and the answer was that our search for the light is important to search that we have to search for the light our search for the light is our training and I said, could we, could we say that we are in training to live in the light? And the answer is yes, we are in training to live in the light. And that's why we have to make, a, let's say, make a, a bit of an effort at, uh, to do it. We have to, it doesn't come as naturally to us as, as instinctually. We have to actually desire it and have, and have the, the aspiration for the light, and and then have it come to us in in moments and in pieces, and and even though it's always there, it's always there. But we have to learn to open ourselves to it, and we are being trained to do that. Yeah, when when Ash she she says, Mother Mira says, "quote The whole purpose of my work is the calling down of the Paramatman light, and in helping people." For this I came to open your hearts to the light. That's right, and the and the word paramatma in there is like the overarching idea of God, uh, beyond, I guess, beyond form, beyond Brahman, beyond any any other uh, incarnation or uh, name that we might know for God. 
And and it's so interesting because Westerners who tend to be so analytic and judgmental and, you know, we want to know what's going to happen next before we've taken the first step. Um, it's interesting because her guidance is, is so simple and yet it's, it's so truly profound. You know, what about our use of free will and the divine? Well, that's really the whole purpose is yes, to right. use our free will in choosing how do we speak to somebody and how did we make the bed and were we angry when we made a meal? I mean, I've, I know when people have experienced eating food that's been made by somebody angry or they themselves have made it when they're angry, nobody likes it. I mean, it could have all the same ingredients and all the same seasoning, but it won't be the same because energetically it's filled with the emotional charge of of anger and so that's why we're counseled to stay in the world and do the hard work yes exactly exactly so we have to uh, find it in ourselves find the compassion in ourselves find the love in ourselves to uh, and even if we are angry then we have to offer that anger and in that and offering it it, it will dissipate so that it doesn't get carried over to another person and multiply instead. Well, and also, as she so beautifully points out, no religion is better than any other religion, you know, and no country is better than another one. She says, if we, quote, love and respect each individual as he is, harmony will come. Yes, harmony is a big theme of mothers, yes. Uh, uh, yes, she wants to see people work together in harmony and and uh, be loving to one another and and uh, work together for things. Yes. Well, you yeah. know, you know, it's so interesting. Sometimes a Westerner, when they hear an Easterner, particularly somebody of this stature, speak, and it sounds so simple. And she'll say, "Yes, there's evil in the world, but it's certainly." not the final reality, quote, the final reality is the light and love of God. Root yourself in that final reality always and at every moment, and evil will crumble around you. I mean, we've heard these teachings before, and and yet when somebody knows this from their own incarnational um, seat, it has a different kind of root to it. It's not just words. And she even says that words are our problem, Yes, our challenge. But we can't stop talking about it, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the Westerner. You know, the Westerner yes, right. wants to be told how rather than be shown where. You know, it's it's so interesting because I, I know that myself, when I sort of was seeking as a youngster, and I mean in my early teens, even before that, but then in my teens, you you think that wisdom is something somebody can hand you. And so... I know people will go like workshop hopping or guru shopping. Yes. You know, it's like we call it rabbi shopping in, in the Jewish um, community. When you're looking for the answer you want, you just keep switching rabbis till you get the one you want. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's and right. and as, as Mother Mira's counseling us, it's it's right within us. It's right here. We are We are that divine being we're looking for to teach us. Yes, that's right. It is right here. And Mother says, people want lectures, but I give them silence. You have to go beyond what you know in order to learn. You have to go in order to understand. You have to go beyond what you know. And words are what we know. So so going beyond them is is a fascinating thing. And it's interesting to see when uh, and to feel it in ourselves when we go 
to mother, maybe there are 200 people more, may, maybe more, maybe less, um, sitting in a room just on chairs, sitting there in silence. And uh, people say to me, you just go, <laughs> you just go there to sit in silence. And yes, but the silence is very full. Mm-hmm. It's very full and very fulfilling. And uh, as you see people go out at the end of the, of the darshan time, it's like everyone is happy. Everyone is um, light. Their faces are full of light. It's just uh, a marvelous thing. One of the things that Mother Mirror says is that there are many beautiful divine beings on earth right now and that, quote, the consciousness of mankind is being prepared for great leaps and discoveries in a gentle way wherever possible, but some things will have to be destroyed. I do not like to destroy. I'd like to change things. But where there is no openness, there must be destruction. However, God is giving man a great chance. Many divine persons are here. We are showing man a way out. We are offering him the divine light, the divine knowledge. We are bringing down into the consciousness of the earth the divine consciousness Now man must choose. Man is free. God will not force his children to do anything. He wants their free love. Mercy and love are always there. Wow. Wow. Every time I hear that, it's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And and though when you ask, Mother, and I have have asked, are there... What can you say about mankind? Has mankind improved since you've been here? And she says, oh, oh, that's not the right question. That's not the thing to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will take a long time. It will take a very long time before everything, before uh, creation reaches its culmination. But, but the, the aspiration must be there, and the progress can be made. And that is, again, once again, you know... It- I read an interesting article. I'm I'm sorry to the author. I've forgotten who wrote it, but they were talking about how we have such a difficult time with the shadow side. And I've talked with certain guests in humanistic psychology from Saybrook Institute and others about this. And Carl Jung always spoke about it, that it's not all nice and easy mm-hmm. in the spiritual realms or in life itself. And, and all of it is all of it. And we tend to to want to believe that the spiritual path is an easy one and that somehow or other your life is just made um, full of bliss. And that's how it got packaged by some of the gurus that came over to the West, I guess, over the centuries or what was offered by the church or what's been offered in any other tradition. And somehow or other, you know, there's often this time of, they say if you give up your individuality somehow or other, you'll get there. But it's really not about giving up your individuality. It's about it's about having humility and having compassion. It, and, it is not. Yes, that's right. It's not about giving up individuality. And it's also not about having the most expensive clothes or the uh, most comfortable life. Uh, all those things... Anything is possible. Anything is possible, but it's possible to live an ordinary life and have uh, have that that in full realm. It seems to me that what 
what happens as we go farther and farther along with Mother Mira, for instance, or whoever, whoever or however you are going towards the light, how, whatever your training is in the light, that we extend our range uh, so that we have, uh, we incorporate more of the uh, joy at the same time we recognize the sorrow, we accept the sorrow, and we, at the same time, we are not. We do not close our eyes to the uh, to the joy that comes as well, or to the light. So that that it's all it's all acceptable. Well, and, and again, back back to her her wonderful comments, which um, the Dalai Lama has spoken of as well, is that you know all paths she goes are as quote good as each other and all lead to the divine, and that therefore the various believers should respect each other's ways. For example, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, and other religious people can believe and follow their own faith, but should not hate or fight others' faith. People who follow any path can come to me. I help them to remember the divine and give them peace and happiness when they are in trouble, unquote. And, and what we see at Darshan, too, is we, we see people of all paths coming to Mother Mira because there is no conflict uh, with any other path. Um, gosh, I, I can't think of any um, of anyone I haven't seen come to Mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see ladies with uh, Hindu headscarves and, and you see, and uh, lots of my Jewish friends go to see Mother Mira and Christian friends and, and uh and Indians and American, in, American Native Americans and um, oh, geez, just uh, I, I can't. Everyone, everyone comes to Mother Mira, and everyone finds their own faith is strengthened uh, and accepted, and uh, it's it's quite an astounding thing. I think it's, it's a place where people come together from all different all different walks of life and all different um, circumstances and all different countries. Uh, you know, now she's traveling so much, she's going to um, uh, uh, Australia and Italy and um, oh, and all the European countries, and, and uh, there are devotees from the Eastern European countries that come to her in, in Germany, and it's uh, a quite an astounding thing. Sonia, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back, and I want to talk about um, Mother Mira's advice on meditation and what kind of meditation. If you're just joining us, I'm Zoe Hieronymus. Our guest is Sonia Leimbau. Her book, At the Feet of Mother Mira, The Lessons of Silence, and Ex Libris 2005 release. You can learn more at www.atthefeetofmothermira.com or go to Mother Mira's official website, www.mothermira.com. This is Dr. Larry Dossey. I'm the author of the recent book, One Mind, How Our Individual Consciousness is Part of a Greater Mind and Why It Matters. I hope you'll listen often to 21st Century Radio. Dr. Zoe Hieronymus talks about what matters. The subject matter is crucial. Our future may depend on it. And I hope you will follow me at my website, www.LarryDossieMD.com.
Our guest is Sonia Leinbaugh. Her book, At the Feet of Mother Mira, The Lessons of Silence. You can go to her website, at the feet of Mother Mira, M-E-E-R-A dot com. You can also go to Mother Mira's own website, www Mother Mira, M-E-E-R-A. She's called an avatar, and um, avatars are very special beings who choose to incarnate to help alleviate the suffering of the world and to elevate consciousness of humanity. And one of the things Mother Mira suggests is meditation, a very particular kind of meditation. Yes, that's right. Uh, Mother always advocates doing japa, that's J-A-P-A, and what it means is repeating the name of the divine, whichever name you are comfortable with. Uh, if you have a, if you're a Christian, you might use Jesus. If you're a, you might use Allah. You might use Elohim. You might use uh, any any uh, name that resonates with you, or an abstract principle that resonates with you. And the idea is not just to say this aloud. Uh, in a chant, chanting kind of way, but to also say it silently and to say it while you're busy, while you're doing things. You can say it at all times of day and night, and once the practice is established, it almost goes on its own. Uh, Mother also says, uh, more recently she's been saying that if you want to meditate, uh, do a more traditional meditation, uh, 20 minutes a day, what half hour a day, whatever, not... That's good, and you should do that, but you should not spend all your time doing that kind of meditation where you're sitting uh, outside activity. And what, why? I mean, some you know people who have done that kind of practice, I mean, the rosary is that kind of practice. There are many, actually, it's in many traditions. It's just maybe not always thought of in this way. Why, why is the reputation, repetition of a divine name helpful? I think of this because it, it keeps an aspect of your attention always on the fact that you are living a divine life and that that brings that inner awareness to you no matter what it is you're doing. You have that inner, that also inner, inner space uh, of being aware of the divine and of offering everything. It's a way of offering everything you're doing. And so you have both, no matter what is going on in your life, even the most delicious things or the most difficult things, that's sort of a stabilizing principle if you have, uh, if you do japa. And, and from, it doesn't matter what tradition, divine names are real um, vessels that contain divine vibrations and so it sort of washes over us and in us and affects us physiologically and I know that's some of this has been researched like it was in transcendental meditation where they found it to be safer and the smog was released and you know meditation is a is a clarifying force and it's so wonderful I know the Institute for Integrative Medicine here in Maryland is going to be teaching meditation in certain schools and when children are um, asked to leave the classroom, they go learn meditation for bad behavior. So it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's like here's the tool for self-management because ultimately that's what we're each here for is to become self-managed humans. Yes, yes. That's a, that's a nice way to put it, self-managed humans. Yes, we do. We, we are the ones who have to make it our business 
to to open to the light and to um, we we're the ones who get to say yes. In other words, we can say yes to the light. We can say yes to um, to whatever practice we want to have. But we but we need to say we need to do it. We need to say yes. I'm going to do this, and I am going to be uh, the one who helps the human race move forward. And as my husband is always, you know, promoted, it's the little things. You know, if you see somebody struggling with their groceries, you can help them. I, I, I tell this very funny, quick story. I was in a parking lot one day about to go in a store to get my groceries. And while I'm sitting there, I see this woman who just can't park her car. So I get up and I help her park her car. I sit back down. Then I see another woman who literally cannot, like, get the trunk of her car open to even, like, get away from her car. These are all older women. And so I go and I walked her in. And then I sat down again. I'm outside the store. And then a third woman who comes out with her groceries and a cane and a foot boot. And so I push. And I realized that I could sit at this one store all day long at this parking lot and do nothing else with the rest of my <laughs> life except to help all the people in the parking lot. <laughs> and so the truth is, and my point in telling this, is that when we have the eyes to see, and the heart opens to the need, we see it all around us. And that's why we're all so special and we're all so important because the kind word to somebody or the simple gesture or giving somebody, you know, the littlest something, a hug, a smile, kind word, um, is is just so important and so big. We treat these things like it's just manners, as if just manners. We lack such manners anyway, but, but manners is more than manners. It's a, it's a way of spreading goodwill. It's a, it's a way of not pretending, but a, of truly evidencing the divine in each one of us. And I, I like what she says is, you know, meditation on a form of the divine, it's enough to just have the feeling of the divine, meaning you have to repeat it, but you have to feel it. And she says it trains the mind and heart, but rather some meditation techniques and some spiritual paths that people go on. And I so agree with her. She says, quote, quite often they increase people's spiritual pride instead of destroying it. The proud man is far from God. You have to be very careful. The best way is to remember the divine in everything and to offer everything to the divine. And she says, Make it a habit to ask the divine for everything. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And sometimes she says, you know, whatever you need, you demand it. Demand it. Don't even just ask for it, but demand it, whatever you need. Uh, and that can be, uh, you know, help with your work situation, help with your family situation, help with your health situation, help with your spiritual uh, aspirations, um, help, help, uh, help with your your getting up in the morning <laughs> help help with your whatever it is you want yes yes everything she helps with everything you know many people of course want to know how uh, mother mira does her darshan and and what's happening at it and um you know when people bow down in front of her and she puts ah. their heads between her hands she's often asked what are you doing and 
she comments that, and this is part of Ayurveda, that on the back of the human being is, quote, a white line running up from toes to the head. In fact, two lines start from the toes, rise along the legs, join at the base of the spine, and then become a single line reaching to the top of the head. This line is thinner than a hair and has some knots in it here and there, which divine personalities help to undo. It is very delicate work, and great care has to be taken to undo the knots, as there is danger for your life if thread is broken. And she says, when I hold your head, I am untying these knots. I am also removing other kinds of obstacles to your sadhana, your practice. And when I touch your head, the light moves upwards in the white line. Anyway, it's it's um, a beautiful description of something that would be invisible to all but a clairvoyant or somebody else with trans sight of some sort. What does it feel like? It feels... Every every time it feels different, and some and mother actually touches your head in a slightly different way. Sometimes her fingertips are on your temples, uh, and it feels like crystals uh, coming into your head. And other times it feels generally it's more cool than warm. Uh, generally, uh, sometimes there's a glow above the head. Sometimes there is a. Sometimes there are experiences of light. Sometimes people say, "Oh, I have no experience whatsoever," but you look at their face and you don't believe it. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's, um, oh, I. Uh, once my husband described it as feeling like he was like he was opened up like a roll, and uh, the light was all completely filling the inside of him. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful description. And uh, sometimes it feels like a stream of light. Sometimes it feels like um, uh, a cloud of, of energy, as soft, soft and sweet. So uh, it can feel any way at all. And, and in terms of the knots, and sometimes people feel that... Um, uh, some particular emotion that's been held inside for a long time suddenly feels like it's coming, actually feels like it's coming loose mm-hmm. and is straightening itself out. Mm-hmm. All those beautiful experiences, anything, any of that is possible, anything and more and many more. Well, and as she says, you know, it's it's trying to help each person open up the bud of light within them and that each avatar brings down a different kind of light for the earth and that right now it's a it's as she pointed out and as i read um from her quote that we're at such a special time and that each one of us who can open ourselves up more to the divine all around us and within us can offer more balance in such imbalanced times i mean you know, I do a lot of air work on so many of the problems we have on the planet, and they are enormous, and, and not to in any way suggest they aren't. But at the same time, we can encounter them with a greater sense of peace um, and blessing. And I think for myself, after covering world affairs for 10 years every day, day in, day out, um, it broke my heart, which was a really good thing. I sort of fell apart. And and went running to God, looking for some sort of peace. So I, I know the that moment when you go on a spiritual journey of 
looking for peace, which is what I was looking for. And what I did was I spent my first year out of full-time radio, mostly in silence. I could not listen to anything. And my my husband will tell you, I'd get around him and he'd have to turn off whatever he was listening to. I had, I had become so um, just sensitive to any any noise, um, talking mostly. <laughs> it's like, that was it. No more talking. But That's I talk right. again, and I'm in the world, and I didn't, you know, go somewhere to become a monk. But I did spend an awful lot of time alone with my dogs and in nature, and I found it so restorative that it was um, really what helped heal me and helped heal my heart about the world and the challenges in the world. So I love the fact that Mother Mira promotes silence because we live in a culture and filled with so many spiritual teachers or teachers who call themselves spiritual beings and then they charge you $500 to come for the weekend or $2,500 to come for the week. And, And the truth is that's not spiritual. I mean, a great teacher like Mother Mira will show you don't charge for these gifts because they're gifts and they don't belong to you. Yes, and Mother says everything you see in the world is is real, but the most real thing is the face of love. And the most real thing is the love. And so everything in the world is true. Everything in the divine world is true. And the most true thing of all is the face of love. So... Uh, yes, so in the silence, you can remember that more than than in the uh, constant chattering that goes on in the world. Well, just the noise. It's just yes. incredible noise. And if it's not physical noise, it's visual noise. And, you know, we unfortunately have a culture that is so uncomfortable with silence. And um, the truth is, in anybody who's ever sat in silence for any period of their life or makes it part of their practice, everything is in silence. There's nothing that's not in silence. So it's actually the greatest repository of the all. So um, if if anybody in the audience is interested in meeting Mother Mira, she does come to the United States. She'll be in California um, in January, and she'll be in Honolulu after that, and then again in Los Angeles and San Diego. She'll be in Austin, Texas at the end of January in Tampa, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida in February. Go to her website, www.mothermira.com, and follow Sonia's writings about the mother and other things at the feet of mothermira.com. And I'd like to thank the mother for all the love she brings to the world, all the love she gives others, all the transformation she enables, and the fact that she will stand and wait for all of us. 21st Century Radio is produced by Hieronymus and Company. Our executive producer and research assistant is Laura Kortner. Our engineer is Noah Dankner. I'm Dr. Zohar Hieronymus, and we hope you enjoyed the show.